Blessed be the name of the Lord. We continue on our journey through the book of 1 Thessalonians. Praise be unto God. We're going to start today in chapter number 3. The last time I, I spoke on this portion of scripture was, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, August the 12th. So here we are in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 and begin at verse 1. So when we could no longer stand it, we agreed to be left in Athens alone and sent Timothy, our brother, and our God's fellow worker for the good news of the Messiah to make you solid and to encourage you in your trust, in your faith, so that none of you would let these persecutions unsettle him. For you yourselves know that these are bound to come to us. Even when we were with you in advance, that we were about, we told you that we were about to be persecuted. And indeed, it has happened, as you know. That is the reason why, after I could not stand it any longer, I sent to find out about your trust, your faith. I was afraid that somehow the tempter had tempted you and our hard work had been wasted. But now, Timothy has come to us, bringing good news about your trust, your faith, your love, and telling us that you remember us as well and are always longing to see us, just as we long to see you. Because of this, brothers, in spite of all this trouble and distress, we were now comforted over you because of your trust. So that now we are alive. Since you continue to be steadfast, united with the Lord Yeshua, Indeed, how can we thank God enough for you or express to our God all the joy we feel because of you? Night and day we pray, as hard as we can, that we will be able to see you face to face and to supply whatever shortcomings there may be in your trust. May God our Father and our Lord Yeshua direct our way to you. And as for you, may the Lord Yeshua make you increase and overflow in love toward each other. Indeed, toward everyone, just as we do toward you. So that he may give you inner strength to be blameless by reason of your holiness, when you stand before God, our Father, at the coming of our Lord Yeshua with all his holy angels. Those are some good and encouraging words, are they not? Absolutely. And there, have been, there are times when we face these trials, these temptations in our lives, where we need to have encouraging words shared with us, but also to see other believers who are facing the same or even greater trials and tribulations 
even to the point up to persecutions, and still they continue to persevere in the midst of all this. This is a mark of maturity that the Lord desires for all his sons and daughters to walk therein. Because I tell you this, there have been so many um, surveys going on. One of them that recently came out, it said this, up to 70 people who regularly attend a congregation do not have put their full trust in Messiah Yeshua. To them, it's no different than being a member of of the Kiwanis Club or anything else because they look at God's word and they believe that, well, that's just suggestions on how to live a pure and holy life. I appreciate uh, Elder Tim's uh, commentary today as he we dealt with the book of Davarim. And with that, the book of Deuteronomy, and with that, the Lord was telling the children of Israel before they entered the land that they were to make a choice. Were they going to listen carefully and obey? Or simply listen and then later decide to obey when it was convenient for them to obey. And if we're being really honest and transparent, on our journey as true believers in Messiah, there have been times when we've listened, but we only obeyed through our own convenience. And with and through that, we've all had to go into that heavenly woodshed and to have our heavenly father apply the proper discipline. Otherwise, if we continue on this path, well, I I heard what you said. I know what you want. But if I really feel like it today, then I will obey you. And that's an attitude, if we're being very, very honest, that we've had. Remember back in your teen years when you were in the process of rebellion and whatever rebellion it is, it doesn't matter what you rebelled into, but you knew better. Because God has even given non-believers a conscience. And so with that, once you become born again, not only you have your conscience, but you also have the Ruach, the spirit of the living God, that inner, still, small voice, gently reminding us, I got to pick on myself. Rabbi Frank, you have listened very carefully. But now what's before you, are you going to choose to obey out of your own convenience or out of your love and devotion to the Lord?
And that's something we honestly struggle with. And you know, there are different categories of believers. There's brand new babes in Messiah. There's toddlers. There's teens. There's adults that have Peter Pan syndrome, meaning that they never want to grow up. And there are mature believers who not only listen very carefully, but they choose to obey. Why? Because they don't want to do nothing that is not pleasing in the presence of the living God. So contemplate this. Since the Holy Spirit, the Ruach HaKodesh, dwells within us, anytime we face temptation and we entertain that temptation through our eyes, through our thoughts, through our ears, we have literally the representative of God living within us. And he's speaking to us. And ultimately, the choice is yours and mine. Because I have to tell you, one day, once we're in the presence of the Lord, when he comes back for his bride, there's a judgment that we're going to go through. It's not pertaining to whether or not you are a born-again believer, because you would not be his bride if you were not first a born-again believer, whether you're Jewish or from the nations. And you'll stand before Yeshua and every action, inaction, every thought, everything said, everything done. We're going to be judged. And you know who's going to be there who dwells within us? That when the Lord presents something and where we have fallen short of his glory and we're all guilty of this. When that Items are mentioned before us. The spirit of the living God is going to well up inside of us and bring that very moment back to our remembrance. And are you going to stand before your bridegroom and deny your sin? And through that Bema seat judgment, there are going to be rewards that are handed out. See, because we've been sealed by God. Our salvation is assured. But how we serve the Lord. And these rewards are not going to be there for us to stand up and boast, I was better than this guy or this gal. But they're going to be used, those crowns, to cast at Yeshua's feet to give him glory and honor and praise. And I know this, there'll be some things that the Lord brings up that I will be ashamed 
and I should be ashamed. Rabbi, you're being too transparent today. You have to be. This is what the scripture speaks about. And I will be ashamed in front of all my brothers and sisters in Messiah. And also my heavenly Abba, Father God. And all the angels up there will be witnesses to this too. But there's reconciliation. But there'll be other things where I've honored the Lord. See, we, we serve a just God. And many times we forget about that. Nothing will be hidden. That's why he warns us, don't gossip, don't do all these things. Because ultimately, you and I are going to face a judgment that's just and true. Praise be to God. So now let us dig here deeper. We're going to start in verse number 3 and go forward. Of uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. So that none of you would let these persecutions unsettle him. That's a word for us in America today. Why? Because persecution is coming. And we're not to be afraid. Because this is normal. Rav Shaul, these were babes in Messiah that he was raising up here. And if around 2,000 years ago, the Lord would allow baby believers to face persecution, you and I will also face it. Continuing here. So that none of you will let these persecutions unsettle him. For you yourselves know these are bound to come to us. Has it not been the testimony of believers who have a personal relationship with the Lord through the centuries have faced persecution? Absolutely. Continue here. It's normal. Even when we were with you in advance, that we were about, we told you we were about to be persecuted, and indeed it has happened, as you know. So, in other words, he's now saying, now look, allow us to be your example. How to persevere through this persecution. Continuing. Verse number five. That is the reason why, after I could not stand it any longer. He's now speaking as a spiritual father here. I sent to find out about your trust, about your faith. Does it still exist? Or have they been so overcome through the persecutions that they've faced? Have they now forsaken their high calling in Messiah Yeshua? That is the reason why after I could no longer stand in any longer, I sent to find out about your trust. And I was afraid that somehow the tempter, Hasatan the devil, had tempted you. See, that's all he can do. Remember, he is the Lord's devil. 
And God allows him to percolate in our lives, to bring service, troubles in our lives, so that we will mature in our trust and hope in the Lord. And if you think you can walk by your own strength in this, you're about to have a reckoning day. Because if you're not empowered by the Spirit of the living God walking in that provision, you walk in your own strength, you will fall time and time and time again. Just as I have. Rabbi, you're still being too transparent. Come on, knock that off. That is reality. If we say there's no sin in us, Scripture says what? We are a liar. But he is faithful and just if we confess our sins to him to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. See, there's a battle going on. There's a battle going on within us of our carnal nature, which in Hasatan's hand becomes a puppet. And you may say, well, I've been walking 5, 10, 15, 20, 40, 50, 60 years in the Lord. Your carnal nature is still alive and still is the devil's puppet. And so Paul is saying here, he's afraid that Hasatan has tempted you and our hard work has been wasted. See, he was invested in them for them to receive the good gift that he was proclaiming the reality of a born-again life. He was fully invested. He was willing to sacrifice everything, even up, up unto death. And think about this, about pride now. He was also willing to lead the situation so that the persecution against them would be lessened. Because it wasn't all about Rav Shaul. It was all about God's kingdom being built in the hearts and minds of people. Because he knew that one day he was going to be ushered in the presence of the Lord and that he needed to raise up generations that are there that could raise up other generations to pass the baton, to build the kingdom. And if not for Rav Shaul's sacrifice and others, where would you and I be today? Eternally lost. I can't wait to meet those who have spoken to my family members through the generations of proclaiming the good news. And also thanking those individuals that actually proclaim the good news. Not just in word, but through action and demonstration. See, a lot of people are caught up now with all these signs and wonders. But in God's eyes, what is the greatest sign and wonder? And that is a transformed life. Imagine this. When you came to receive Yeshua as your Messiah, 
It says that all the heavens and the, the angels in heaven rejoiced over you. And you may say, well, I'm insignificant. Not in your father's eyes. Not in his son's eyes who formed and shaped you in your mother's womb. Praise be unto God. Continuing here. Verse 6. But now Timothy has come to us from you. Bringing what good news? See, they shared the good news of eternal life. Being manifested and proclaimed. Scientific proof. Now what did Rav Shaul and Sila and Timothy need to see? Good news. The seeds that we planted and we watered, that the Ruach, the Spirit has taken over, and he's produced growth in spite of persecution. Because there are times when we get very, very discouraged as we go out and we share and we share, and sometimes we do not see the fruit. But know this, every time we share God's word, it does not come back to whom boy, not us. It's to him. He sees us before he forms and shapes us in our mother's womb. He knows all things. He is never surprised. Continuing here. But now Timothy has come to us from you, bringing us good news about your trust and love and telling us that you remember us. See, that's an encouragement. Continuing. As well and are always longing to see us. There's a relationship, undeniable. See, because I tell you this, my spiritual brothers and sisters in Messiah, no matter where they come from and their background, they are more closer to me than my actual natural family members. And for many of us, for many years, we're like orphans, are we not? And that's why it's so beauty about brothers and sisters and Messiah coming together in one another's presence because you encourage one another. You strengthen one another. You see the trust, the faith that of everyone being lived out. It's an encouragement. It is a blessing. It's what helps, keeps us going. And we need that encouragement. And we'll definitely need the encouragement and the things that we'll be facing here in the near future. I really believe this, that when persecution starts happening to the body of Messiah, I'm talking about physical persecution. That 70% in most congregations are going to flee. Why? Because they're not the Lord's sheep. Hopefully as they leave the door, some will come to repentance and live out their lives before the Lord. But the Lord knows all those things. Praise be to God. So Rav Shaul, as we dig deeper here, so Rav Shaul sent Timothy to Thessalonica because he was concerned about what nobody was taking care of these Messianic believers. Hasatan may draw them away. 
making this whole ministry outreach and time and investment wasted. New Messianic believers are especially vulnerable to Hasatan's temptation. He can get a hold of them and easily sway them before they're rooted in the truth of God's word, the Bible. And that's why I'm telling you, my brothers and sisters, you need to get a little copy or copies of the Bible and read it and meditate it. I know for some who listen on different electronic devices, that's great. But there are AI and other groups that are in the process of changing words and their meanings. So be aware. That's why King David was inspired. I've hid God's word in my heart so that I will not sin against, I know King James, thee, but means you. Who's the you? It's not a female sheep. It is Abba, Father God. So we need to focus. Shut off the TV. Shut off YouTube. Open up God's word and meditate therein. Because one day you and I are going to have to give an account how we honored and knew and proclaimed this word. And if we're not doing that, not preparing now, then we're becoming disobedient. Praise be to God. Let's continue on verse number seven of chapter three. Because of this, brothers, in spite of all our trouble and distress, we were now comforted over you because of your trust. There's times when you and I need a spiritual shot in the arm, right? Undeniable. So that now we are what? We are alive. Because you know what? Persecution troubles them too. You can get discouraged. Did not Yohanan, when he was imprisoned by King Herod, when Yeshua's disciples came to him, he was depressed and he needed an encouraging word. What was her testimony? The blind see, the lame walk, and the dead are raised. Praise be to God. So that now we are alive since you continue to stand fast. To simplify that, this is what it means. When you're at your wit's end and you say, Lord, I can no longer continue to go. You simply slump into his arms and allow him to minister to you. To simply stand. Continuing here. Stand fast. United with the Lord Yeshua. Who's got your back? 
when family deny you, reject you, saying you're out of your mind, you're mashugana, you're crazy? Who has your back? It's Yeshua. Well, aren't they supposed to focus on a rabbi or a pastor? No, they are to be united with Yeshua. Because rabbis and pastors will fail you. Rabbi, don't say that. We are human too. And if your focus is not on Yeshua, if you put someone in his place, I believe the Lord will remove that individual out of your life. Because he's to receive all the glory and honor and praise. Not a man or a woman. Praise be unto God. So, going deeper, Shaul and Timothy, like the Thessalonian Messianic uh, believers, were in trouble. They were in distress and they faced persecution. Their source of comfort was hearing that the Thessalonians were now standing firm in Yeshua. Let's turn quickly to Philippians chapter 4, verse 1. See, it wasn't just a one-time occurrence. And I know this. People say, well, you should never confess that word that we're going to be facing persecution. Well, what does the word of God say? I'm not giving a prophetic word other than what's already written the word, which is more prophetic and trusting than most people's prophecies these days. So here we are in Philippians. Praise be unto God. 4.1 So my brothers, whom I love and I long for, my joy and my crown, my, my dear friends, keep standing firm in union with the Lord. Can it be any more simpler than that? So scripture confirms scripture, and we know this a word of the Lord. Next, God's people often underestimate how much they can encourage others by living out their trust and faith and openly sharing their experiences about God's faithfulness. How do we know this? 2 Corinthians 1.4 declares this. 2 Corinthians 1.4. Who encourages us in all our trials so that we can encourage others in whatever trials they may be undergoing? And with the encouragement we ourselves have received from God. Continuing. Now let us go to uh, verse number 9 of chapter 3 of 1 Thessalonians. Indeed, how can we thank God enough for you or express to our God all the joy we feel because of you? Night and day. We pray as hard as we can 
so that we'll be able to see you face to face and supply whatever shortcomings there may be in your trust. You know, there's one day a week that the elders and I, Ellen and Tim, we gather together, not in person, but on our phones, and we pray and we intercede and we lift up your names before the Lord. Why do we do this? Because you're our brother, you're our spiritual brothers and sisters of Messiah. And number two, your needs are more important than ours. You are, and those who are listening on the internet who happen to go across, that we haven't met one another yet, sometime in the future we will, maybe on this sphere, but most likely in the heavens, you are our crown and joy. See, the template has been set for us. And if we're not interceding and praying, and when we run out of English or whatever language we speak, to pray in the Spirit, either audibly or silently, that's God's calling on our lives to intercede for you. Praise be to God. So continuing here. Night and day, we pray as hard as we can. As set by the emissaries, that's the apostles' example, Shaul advises the Thessalonian Messianic believers to also pray regularly. And how do we know this? 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 17 gives us further instruction. That's 5 and 17. Pray regularly. Sometimes a two-word sentence is just as powerful as many words. How often should I pray? Regularly. Another Bible verse, pray without ceasing. It is to be more common to you than having a conversation with anyone else. Pray and interceding for one another. Continuing. And he follows his own advice in his frame of reference in what the synagogue worship with its evening and morning prayers. Notice that? It starts at night. Think about this for one second. If you're, after you're done praying at night, you may have a light snack, what have you, whatever you do. Brush your teeth, comb your hair, get ready for bed. And then you sleep for what, the next eight, seven, six, or five hours? Everyone sleeps at a different time frame. Your focus has been on your brothers and sisters and Messiah interceding on their behalf. And whenever you pray for a brother and sister that you have ought with, those relationships are reconciled. Otherwise, you and I will not enter into a restful sleep without it. 
And so then we spend those eight hours or less in sleep. And in the synagogue, they would have their next prayers, which would be dawn in the morning. And then later that day, the afternoon prayers. And this is praying and interceding before, in most nations, it's from sunup to sundown. But this is time prior, eight hours plus before that next day begins. Remember, Yeshua said, don't focus on the troubles that are coming up. But the Lord is giving you enough provision for today to focus on that. And what better way to rejoice and thank the Lord for his provision in the evening as you enter into your prayers so you can go and have a good night's sleep, fully rested and restored and doing the Father's will. And so this is what he's, he's giving them this example. And the evening prayers are called the Maharif. The morning prayers are called the Shakurit. And the afternoon prayers are called the Mincha prayers that are done in the synagogue, not just Friday evening till Saturday evening, but these are daily prayers. Daily. It says that in the book of Daniel, he did what? He prayed what? Three times a day. And his mindset that was evening, morning, and afternoon. And even when he was there threatened that he could lose his life, he decided to do what? To pray without ceasing. Praise be unto God. So the Jewish day begins at sunset, corresponding with the days of creation. Berejit, Genesis 1.5. This is the easiest scripture to find in your Bible. Because in most Bibles, it'll be either on page one, or it'll be towards the very, very beginning there. And so here we are. In Bereshit, which is Genesis chapter 1 and verse 5. It says this, God called the light day and the darkness he called night. And so there was what? There was evening and there was morning one day. As simple as that. That simple instruction that the Lord gives to us. So, Shaul uses the same expression in 2 Timothy 2. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 3. Now you got to flip way back there. And Timothy happens to follow after the Thessalonians. So we're in the neighborhood here. It's an excellent neighborhood to be in, by the way. 2 Timothy Chapter 1 and verse 3. I give thanks to God, whom like my forebearers, I worship with a clean conscience, as I regularly 
remember you in my prayers night and day. Praise be unto God. From this we can easily, it can now be easily defined that Shaul's purpose is to offer the Thessalonian Messianic believers a Jewish model for personal and corporate prayer. Now let us continue now in verse number 11 of chapter 3. May the God, our Father, of our Lord Yeshua direct you, direct our way to you. As, and as for you, may the Lord Yeshua make you increase and overflow in what? In riches. You can have your best life now. It doesn't say that. That you would overflow in love Toward each other. Yeah, but I love the world, Rabbi Frank. You have wrong affections. This world's passing away. If your first love is not Messiah Yeshua, I question whether or not you're his and he's yours. Overflow in love towards each other indeed toward everyone, just as we do toward you, so that he may give you inner strength. No, Rabbi Frank, you don't understand. It's, it's my local rabbi or it's my pastor that gives me inner strength. I buy all his books. I have all his tapes. I go to all his seminars. Stop wasting your money. It's the Lord that is going to give you inner strength. To be what? To be blameless. By reason of what? Your holiness. How do we gain this holiness? By receiving his inner strength. To be what? To be blameless. You know what? He'll never misguide us. He'll have us focus on the things we need to focus on. And the Ruach will have us eliminate the things that we need not to be focused on. Have you ever had the Spirit of the living God say to you, pick on myself again, Rabbi Frank, I'm over here. Get your eyes off of that. That's not for you. Right over here, this is what I want you to do. We all need that gentle instruction. So that he may give you inner strength to be blameless by reason of your holiness. When you stand before God our Father, at the coming of our Lord Yeshua with his, his angels. So are you ready at mo any moment? Are you doing what the Father desires for you to do? Are you longing to be literally with Yeshua face to face? Or do you have more important things on this earth? Are you building your kingdom, your business? You fill in the blank. Or is your focus on the Lord and his desire? Praise be unto God. Shabbat shalom. And thank you for your time.